Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. What I want to talk about today is how to prepare for this year. And uh, and just like last week here at James River, there was Vision Sunday for, for the church and for the year and for the vision. I want to break it down now and I want to have an opportunity to help you build your vision for your year, for your life, for your marriage, for your family. And so we're going to have uh, four big ideas, pray, plan, push, and pivot. And my whole prayer and goal is to encourage you, which is really to put courage in you. How many of you, uh, let's just say this too. Let's just take a moment and honor you. Let's just say this. Congratulations. You lived through 2020. Can you give yourself a round of applause? Yay. We lived through it. Little bad news. 2021 is the exact same. Okay. That's the problem. So how are you going to make it through this year? Because last Last year was awful, and this year seems to be the same. And a lot of people are saying, I'm just going to wait. I don't know about you. I'm sick of waiting. I would rather start worshiping. I would like to find God's will for my future and walk in it and not just wait for things to get better, but trust that if I walk with God, he will make things better. So this is going to be super, super, super practical. And the way we're going to start is to pray. Before you start anything, you need to pray. If Jesus needed to pray, we all need to pray. And the truth is, we learned this year that unless you talk to the God who knows the future, there is no way you can prepare for the future. How many of you are sick of polls? Amen. Poll is a four-letter word. How many of you are sick of people trying to tell you what's going to happen next? There's only one person who knows what's going to happen next, and prayer is where we ask him what's going to happen next. Okay, so prayer, Proverbs 19, 21. And we're going to just deal with the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, because there's a lot of food foolishness in our world. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What he says is we're always making plans. How many of you are planners? You love plans. You love schedules. You love budgets. You love Excel spreadsheets. You've accepted Dave Ramsey in your heart. You're all about the plan. You love the plan. How many of you love plans, right? You love plans. And how many of you are frustrated because last year you had to cancel all your plans? We had a vacation planned. We had to cancel it because now we're not allowed to go places. My kids were planning on going to school. School got canceled. My oldest son, he had his senior year. They nuked his senior year. No graduation, no prom, no homecoming, no fun. Just go home, turn the lights off, sit in the closet, read Lamentations. Just, <laughs> that's all you get, kid. Nothing. No, all the plans we made, we had to cancel. How many of you had great plans for last year and you just kept taking things off the calendar? What he says is that we make a lot of plans, but it's only the purpose of the Lord that prevails, which means ultimately you're going to be very frustrated if you're expecting your plan, but you'll be very excited if you receive his plan. And this is what prayer does. And so the way my wife Grace and I do this, we pray together and we're just asking God, okay, God, what's your plan? We start with prayer to get his vision for our year. My wife Grace usually gets an annual verse. So God usually speaks a scripture to her. Uh, for me, God oftentimes just gives me a statement. So in 2020, God gave me this statement, uh, faith over fear. And it was like January, and I was like, that's a weird one, faith over fear. I wonder what that refers to. Oh, and then I figured it out. Uh, we, 2020, I mean, good night. I mean, we had COVID, we had riots, we had elections. How many of you are so glad that when Jesus comes back, we never vote again, and we just get the same guy every year? Amen? Amen. <laughs> 
and I learned when God spoke that word that that was going to be sort of a theme for the year, faith over fear, because ultimately you never find the will of God if you're driven by fear, only if you're driven by faith. The Bible says that God has not given us a demonic spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind, that perfect love casts out that demonic spirit of fear. And a lot of people this last year, they made their decisions based upon fear. You'll never find yourself in the will of God if you are driven there by fear, only if you are driven there in faith. And then uh, earlier this year, I was praying and God spoke to me and he said, be prepared and be patient. That's God's word to me for this year. Kind of my architecting concept, be prepared. So do your homework, get ready, look for opportunities, but be patient, be patient. How many of you, be prepared is what you naturally do. Be patient is what you struggle to do, that's me. I'm not a patient person. I yell at the microwave. I, I'm not a patient person. I, my favorite, my favorite three things are results, results, results. I'm not big on patient. And so God spoke to me and basically what he said is be prepared. There's going to be a lot of opportunity, but be patient because there's a difference between God's will and God's timing. And a lot of the mistakes I've made in my life, I knew God's will, but I got ahead of God's timing. And so God's word to me this year is be prepared to find his will and then be patient to achieve his timing. Well, then he says in Proverbs 16, three, commit your work to the Lord. That's prayer. That's how we commit our work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So what he's saying is before you make any plans, you got to start in prayer. You need to receive God's plan. And then you need to throughout the course of the year, saturate all of your decision-making with praying and dedicating that plan unto the Lord. And here's the good news. We don't know the future, but we know the God who does. We don't know what's coming, but we know the God who does. We don't know how to get ready for something we don't know, but we know the God who prepares us for the things we don't know. And this is the hope of the believer. This is why everyone except for the Christian is really anxious and nervous and scared. And for those who are worrying, God's people should replace worrying with worshiping and we should stop panicking and we should start praying. Okay, God, I don't know what's going to come, but you do reveal that to me. Now, let me say this, a couple things on prayer. Number one, prayer is where you transfer your burdens. Prayer is where you transfer your burdens. In life, there are going to be seasons that feel like an avalanche, like everything has just collapsed on me and I am buried and I cannot carry the burden. When this happens, people will either self-destruct or pray. Those are your only options. And what we're seeing tragically in our day is a lot of self-destruction. People making very foolish decisions, short-time decisions. They're saying that uh, spousal abuse is at record numbers. Child abuse is at record numbers. Uh, that people are having major mental health issues. Suicide and depression is up. And people are self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. And people are relapsing that have been clean and sober for years. It's a hard time. I was in the grocery store um, fairly recently, and I asked the cashier, I said, said, well, last year, what was the best seller? They said, oh, hand sanitizer and toilet paper. And we just couldn't get enough. You remember that? Everybody's like, I'm going to die clean. It was weird. It was kind of, it was awkward. It was a weird time. You see grandmothers fighting over toilet paper. And I asked them, well, what's flying off the shelf now? And they said, we can't keep alcohol in the store. Everybody is just drinking. And what that is, is I have burdens. I don't know how to transfer the burden, so I try to numb the burden. Because unless you invite the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you're just going to fill yourself with spirits, right? And this is how you help yourself, and this is how you harm yourself. 
And so what happens is when we have burdens, we either self-destruct or then we dump those burdens on those who love us. We need to dump those burdens on God who carries us. Jesus talks about prayer in this way. He says, you have some burdens, some heavy things you're carrying, some, some weights and loads that are beyond your ability to bear. He says, come to me. And, uh, and transfer those to me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, and I'll give you a supernatural rest or peace in your soul. Some of you right now, you don't need to work harder, you need to pray longer. Some of you don't need to just bear under it, you need to transfer the burden of it. Some years ago, I was in one of the heaviest, most difficult seasons in my life, filled with anxiety. I got a nervous eye twitch. People thought I was flirting with them. I'm not. I'm nervous. People are like, why is my pastor flirting with me? He's not. He's nervous. nervous. I had a hand tremor. I was doing this. I was very anxious. It was a catastrophic season. And I met with one of our pastors and he said, how's your prayer life? I said, it's great. I talk to the Lord every day. And he says, how's your burden? I said, man, I'm so stressed out. I'm freaked out. I can't sleep. I'm anxious. I got a nervous eye twitch. I got a hand tremor. He says, uh, then you're not praying, you're just complaining to the Lord. He said, it's not prayer until you transfer the burden. I said, well, then my prayer life's not good, but my complaining life is amazing. <laughs> and he was right. It's not prayer until you've transferred the burden. And what happens when we pray, we transfer the burden we cannot carry to the God who can carry it. And then we ask the God who knows the future, what his vision is, so that we can prepare for the future that he knows is set before us. This is the exclusive help of the believer. This is where we don't need poles, we need the Holy Spirit. This is where we don't need to know the future, we need, until the, we need to know the Lord. Okay? And so I'm just encouraging you, as things get darker, you need to go deeper. Okay, that's what you need. That's what you need and your soul needs. And then prayer is where we receive God's vision. In the Bible, a lot of times when people receive vision, which is preparing for the future, it is in the context of prayer. God will reveal to you what is to come. Supernaturally, I trust him to do this. And then here's what happens. When you receive God's vision, you then receive God's provision. God doesn't bless our plan. He blesses our obedience to his plan. And so we need God's vision before we have provision. And a lot of people, they will bring God their vision. God, here's what I need you to do. And God's like, I'm not an employee, I'm a Lord. So you don't tell me what to do. You ask me what you're supposed to do. And I give you the vision and then I'll give provision for my vision. But I rule over you, I am not an employee of you. Okay, and so what happens then as well, when you receive God's vision, when you transfer the burden, then you are unlocking the resources of the unseen realm into the seen realm. And so in the book, Win Your War, we talk about this, that there are two realms that form one reality. Let me do a little bit of a nerd theological rabbit trail for you. Right now there is the world we see, and then there is an unseen world that God also sees. That just as you and I live in this realm, in that realm are departed saints and divine beings. These two realms, the seen and the unseen, the natural and the supernatural, form for God one reality. Two realms, one reality. And right now in the unseen realm, the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and well. He conquered sin and death. He rose from the grave. He returned to his unseen realm and his heavenly throne. And right now, Jesus is being worshiped and he is being prayed to in the unseen realm. 
And what happens is when you and I worship, that's how we pray collectively. And we pray, which is how we communicate to and listen to God individually. What we're doing, we're literally reaching into the unseen realm and we are releasing the resources of the unseen realm into the seen realm. I'll give you one scripture that illustrates this. There are people in the Bible that transfer from the seen to the unseen realm. One of them is John in the book of Revelation and verses eight and nine in chapter five, he talks about right now in the unseen realm, he gets to peer behind the curtain are four living creatures, probably divine beings, perhaps even angels and 24 elders, most likely departed saints and human leaders. And they fell down before the lamb. So Jesus right now is ruling and reigning as the lamb of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, each holding a harp. So right now with Jesus, there's a band. People always come to church like, why, why do we need a band? Because Jesus has a band. Why do we have lights? Because there, there's a light show around the throne of Jesus. Well, why do we have a sound system? Because there were loud peals of thunder. If you don't like the uh, technology, you're going to hate heaven. It's quite a show. Okay? And so everything we're doing here is based upon what we see in the unseen realm. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. So right now in the unseen realm around Jesus... There are songs being sung and prayers being prayed. And let me tell you this, it says that when you and I sing and pray, our songs and prayers, they go beyond the roof, they go into the unseen realm. That ultimately our problems are here, but our solution is there. Our needs are here, but the resources are there. That you may have vision for here, but the provision is from there. And what happens in churches that believe in prayer, believe in worship, believe in the Holy Spirit, they tend to see more of the miraculous and the supernatural. They tend to see revelation given and, and people healed. This is that kind of place. I've been coming here for 13 years, and every time I come, I see that heaven visits here, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is not just a prayer, but a prayer that is answered at James River Church. You're in a supernatural place. You're in one of the greatest churches in America. I'm not here for the weather. I'm here because the Spirit of God is here. Amen. I come from Scottsdale, Arizona. It was 75 degrees. I had flip-flops on. Uh, I was outside so Jesus could see my joy. And then I got on a plane and I came here. Wow, it's different. Right now, people in hell are going, it's hot, but at least we're not up at James River. It's one degree. It's freezing there. But the good news is that the presence of God is here. And what happens when we pray, we bring our requests into the unseen realm and it releases the resources of the unseen realm into the seen realm. Okay. Number two, once you receive God's vision through prayer, then you need to have a plan. And a plan is where you take God's vision and you write it down to share it with your family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, uh, ministry compatriots, whomever that might be. And it talks about planning in Proverbs. Let me, let me just ask this real quick. How many of you love planning? You love, you like, these people immediately raise their hand. You could tell, you know, why they're like, oh, another task I can complete right now. My hand is up. I love planning. You could just tell these people. And I can tell you, you are, you're taking notes. You tucked your shirt in. You, you, you guys are so tidy. We love you. You're the planners. How many of you are married to the other person? You're like, I don't plan. I just trust the Lord. Okay. I just explained most of your marital tension. Some of you prayers and some of your planners and God put you together so you could both be sanctified. You're learning a lot of painful lessons. Welcome to marriage. Proverbs 12, 20, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. What he says is godly people and evil people both make plans. The question is not, will you plan? The question is, how will you plan? 
And let me say this, Satan, the evil one right now, has a plan for you. He has a plan for your year. He has a plan for your business. He has a plan for your marriage. He has a plan for each of your kids. He has a plan for each of your, your lives and ministries. And here's what I'm telling you. If you don't make a plan, the only plan is his plan. So some of you are like, I don't make plans. Well, Satan does, so you should make another plan. Right now, not only the evildoers, but the evil one all have devised plans to destroy you. That's how this works. Proverbs, how do you get a good plan? Okay, some of you are natural planners. Some of you, this is fairly new. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for a lack of counsel. I'll call that wise counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. How do you make a plan? Well, first thing I wanna say is that wise counsel is better than the mentor myth. There's something very powerful, it's a myth that is infected and affected the Christian church, and that is that out there somewhere is one person who can teach you everything you need to know and disciple and mentor you. And if I could just get coffee with them every Tuesday at eight o'clock in the morning, they would meet all my needs, heal all my hurts, answer all my questions, and prepare me for all conceivable futures. Let me tell you, there's only one person who has that ability, and his name is Jesus. The rest of us have some shortcomings. Even a good person makes a bad Jesus. Even a good spouse makes a bad Jesus. And the truth is, all of us have areas that we're strong and areas that we're weak, areas that we are wise and areas that we are foolish. How many of you are really good with money? Really good with money, okay? How many of you are really good with marriage? How many of you are really good with parenting? How many of you are really good with business or real estate or health? How many of you are baseball fans? I love baseball. I'm a big baseball fan. My boys all played baseball. In baseball, there's something called a bullpen. And if you're familiar with the bullpen, a bullpen is a series of specialists. There's a right-hander, there's a left-hander, a guy who throws lots of innings, a guy who's only good for one batter, a guy who throws junk balls, guys who runs, throws 100 miles an hour. The bullpen has all these different guys, and the coach calls the bullpen and brings in whomever is best suited for that need. No one can play all of those positions and meet all of those needs. And so what you need in your life is not a mentor, but a bullpen. You need to say, okay, this person's really good with money. I'm gonna call them when I'm talking about money. That person is really good with health. They eat vegetables. Something, by the way, I've not seen since I've been in Missouri. Uh, I think gravy is a food group. I mean, it's amazing. And Andy's is also a food group. I mean, it's pretty amazing here. So, so find somebody who's seen a vegetable, you know, whether or not they've eaten it, at least they've started. And, and that can be your health consultant. You meet somebody, they've been married 50 years. I did this the other day, I was walking into a store and I watched across the parking lot, this very elderly couple, they were probably in their 90s and they walked like this and they held hands and they kept smiling at each other. And I just watched them because these people are like unicorns. I've heard about them, but I didn't know they were real. You can be holding hands 60 years, 70 years later. And I held the door and I waited like, I don't know, 17 or 18 days. And eventually they got to the door and I looked at him and I said, you kids seem really happy. They both smiled, they held hands. And I kid you not, I asked him, I said, what's the secret to holding hands at your age? She looked at me, she said, Jesus forgives sin. Amen. I was like, you know what? These would be the people I would call. They, you know what? They know something about marriage and they're battle tested. 
Look for the people to be your mentors. One person can't answer all your questions, meet all your needs. I learned this from one of the men that I think is perhaps He's definitely one of the wisest men I've ever met. I met him many years ago. He's got a beautiful family, very generous to ministry, incredibly successful business. Um, and he started very poor from a broken home and he's not formally educated. Because there's a difference between wisdom and education. You can go to the university and not get any wisdom. Wisdom comes from the spirit, life experience for those who are in the scriptures. It's not about how intelligent you are, it's about how humble you are. Okay, and so I, I, I told him, I said, hey, you're one of the most successful guys I've ever known. I, I'd love to just meet with you. This was many years ago in my 20s. I still meet with him. And uh, I said, can I meet with you? He said, yeah. So I scheduled an appointment. First thing I noticed, he always carried a notebook and he always wrote things down. So I grabbed a notebook and I thought, okay, I'm just gonna, so I started praying. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray about questions to ask him. I showed up early, not late. And I had questions and I pretty much shut up for the whole time, which was a miracle. I had to pray and fast for weeks just to shut up. I had to get myself ready for this meeting. And I sat down and I said, okay, tell me, how did you go from a broken family to a beautiful family, from total poverty to wealth, from not knowing Jesus to being a godly guy? And he's like, let me tell you my secret. I was like, that sounds great. He said, I look for people that I see the spirit of God at work in them and through them. I pray that God would have them to meet with me. I write down questions I would ask them. I meet with them. I write down what they tell me and I do what they tell me. Because wisdom is not just in books, it's in people who have the spirit of God. And it comes not just through education, but oftentimes through experience. And he said, so he said, if you'll write down everything I tell you and do what I tell you, I'll meet with you again. He said, if you don't, I won't because I won't waste my time. And what he told me was, he said, people always ask, hey, can I, we get coffee every Tuesday at 8 a.m.? He said, you don't need to meet with me every Tuesday at 8 a.m. He said, just call me when you need me. I'll meet with you, but I need you to do what I tell you to do. That's how he built his whole life. And what he did is he took the collective wisdom of all the people that God put in front of him and he integrated it to his life. Here's what I'm telling you. In a church like this, there is wise counsel everywhere. And sometimes the wise counsel comes through positive, successful experience and sometimes through negative, failed experience. But either way, school is always in session, the Holy Spirit is always teaching, and people are always learning. And so if you're gonna make a plan and you don't know how to make a plan, find those who have wisdom and invite them to be your mentors. Now, let me, let me tell you how great this is. If you will pray and plan, sometimes God provides supernatural revelation. I'll give you one example. Uh, we started the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona as a family ministry. Quite frankly, largely patterned after James River, if I'm totally honest with you. Before we planted, I flew out and I met with uh, Pastors John and Debbie and I was like, all right, we're gonna start. We got kids, we wanna do it together and help me figure out how to do this. So I keep coming here to learn. So thank you for that opportunity and thank you to the Lindells for that, that great honor. And, uh, and it was the end of last year and our church was growing and I thought, okay, we're ready to buy a bigger property and get a bigger building and go into some debt and take on some risk. And I prayed. And, uh, and I said, okay, Lord, what's your vision and what's your plan? And God said to me, son, he's like, this is 2020 is not the year to buy real estate, go into debt, wait for permits or, or plan to start anything from the ground up. And I was like, why Lord, everything looks so great. He's like, yeah, trust me, there's some stuff coming. 
I was like, Lord, well, what is it? He's like, I'm not going to tell you. How many of you are glad that the Lord didn't tell you what was going to happen? Amen. We do this all the time. We're like, Lord, tell me. He's like, no, God, I thought you loved me. I do love you. That's, all right. That's why I'm not telling you. You'd put a helmet and a cup on. You'd stay up all night. This would freak you out. You're not ready. <laughs> so then the Lord said, okay, instead, maximize the campus you have. You're going to need to multiply your technology. You're going to need to do your bathrooms, your HVAC, all these things. And I was like, Lord, how are we going to do that? We meet every week. I can't just shut the church down. And he's like, trust me, it'll be fine. <laughs> Remember last year? Last year was a long decade, amen? I mean, it was a thing. And so, boom, we had the shutdown. And I kid you not, I had all of the contractors and work sequence to start that next day. So the governor shut us down on Sunday because God spoke to me months prior. I had all of the work sequenced and I had all of the HVAC, everything I needed ordered and already delivered before they shut down all the delivery with COVID. And ultimately while we were closed, we did all of the construction that we could have never done because God told me what the future hold. And as a result, we were ready for it. And God also told me in January, our oldest daughter got married and God said, I, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be in the pulpit that weekend. Cause I'm going to be a hot mess minus the hot. My oldest daughter's getting married. I'm going to be a nervous breakdown. And God said, no, you need to be in the pulpit. If you're in the pulpit, a guy who's coming to the wedding is going to stay over. He's going to see your need for technology. He's going to come up to you. He's going to ask you what your need is. He's going to pay for it all. And you're going to need it because your ministry is going to be going online and you're not ready to go online. Baby church plant. So I told the staff, I told Grace, my wife, told the kids. And I said, okay, God says I got to be in the pulpit. I kid you not. Second service guy walks up to me. He's like, I want to talk to you about technology. I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. Jesus said you were coming. He's like, you need technology. You're not ready. I said, yeah, I know. And he said, well, how much is it? I, I said, I gave him the exact number. He's like, how do you know the exact number? I said, it's in the cart. See, I believe in Jesus and math. So I put it in the cart, but I didn't pay for it yet. So I believe in both. <laughs> by putting it in the cart, I believe in Jesus. But by not paying for it, I believe in math. I said, well, it's all in the, I said, literally, I have it all ordered. It's all bundled up at a warehouse in another state, getting ready to ship as soon as I get payment. He's like, well, I'll pay for that. I said, yes. Everything got shipped, ordered, and installed just in time for our church to be forced to go online for COVID. The result is we saw online ministry more than double. And then when we reopened, everything was ready, more than doubled. Just December alone, 10 million sermons were listened to. It was the most prolific month of my entire life. Okay? And I've had some pastors call and they're like, oh man, what's the secret to your leadership? Well, the secret is I'm not the leader. If I was the leader, we're in trouble. I'm the follower. I'm the follower. Jesus is the leader of ministry, business, marriage, family. I'm just like, Jesus, what do, what do you say? I just want to follow the leader. I don't need to be smart. I just need to stay close. That's the secret. There's no secret. The secret is if you're the leader, you're in trouble. If he's the leader, you'll be okay. Pray, plan. Pray, plan, and then push. Once God gives you a vision and then you have a plan, you know what you need to do? You need to work really hard. There's no substitute for hard work. Nothing ever got done by doing nothing. 
So it says this in Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. How many of you are sick of talk radio? Everybody talks about things they're not gonna do. Nothing happens. We're just venting, social media, blah, blah, blah. Venting, raging, liking, unliking, doing nothing. It says this in Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to plenty. You make a plan, you work it, you push. But for everyone who is hasty, looking for a shortcut, getting ahead of God's timing surely leads to poverty. Couple of push principles. When all is said and done, a lot more is said than done. Everybody's talking about what we need to do. Very few people are doing anything. Waiting fixes nothing. Working is what fixes things. And ultimately, number two, laziness is for losing. If you do nothing, you get nothing. And let me say this as well, for those who are business leaders or ministry leaders or family leaders, when, when, when we were told to just hit pause, we were lied to. In life, there is forward and there is backward, there is no pause. When our country thought it hit pause, it hit rewind. That ultimately things are growing or dying. They are getting better or they are getting worse. They are going forward or they are going backward. Business leaders, is this true? This is true. Your marriage is getting better or worse. It's not stuck. Your parenting, your family, your business, your ministry, it's either flourishing or dying. And those who are just waiting, they're just waiting, they're like, well, we're just waiting and then we'll hit play. No, no, you've hit rewind and wherever you hit play will not be where you were. It's tragically where you do not want to be. I believe that's why this year is a year of supernatural opportunity for ministries and businesses for those who play, who pray rather, who plan and then push, do the hard work to pursue the opportunity. I believe it's an extraordinary year of opportunity. I'm not discouraged, I'm encouraged. And people are like, well, have you looked out at the world? I have, but I've also looked up to the Lord and he's assuring me that there is opportunity through it all. And as things get darker, you need to go deeper, okay? As things get darker, God's people need to go deeper, which may mean you need to plan more. You need to pray more and you need to push more, okay? But let me just give you one example. Here we are in church, and I just wanna honor the leadership of this church for praying, planning, and pushing. They're open, God's people are here worshiping. And ultimately, Jesus is essential, church is essential, the Holy Spirit is essential, prayer is essential, ministry is essential. There was a Gallup poll done. Gallup is not particularly a Christian organization, but they looked at the mental health of Americans and the, uh, the emotional health of Americans in 2020. Every single group categorically was in decline or crisis. Young, old, male, female, black, white, rich, poor, Democrat, Republican, suburban, urban, rural, everyone had this in common. Mental health, emotional health, cratering and crisis, with one exception. Those who regularly attended a Bible-believing church actually had improved mental health from 2019 to 2020. Okay, you know why? It's not what's present out there, it's who's present in here. It's not what is happening, but who rules over what is happening. 
And all of a sudden, God's people start to gain God's perspective and they receive a peace that surpasses understanding. If the non-Christians were honest and true, they would say, we not only have a physical crisis, we have an emotional, mental, spiritual crisis. And it seems to be that the only vaccine that we have for the mental, emotional, spiritual crisis is an open church. And so I just want to honor the church that here we are today. And I want to tell you that what you're doing is what your soul is needing to be with God's people in God's presence so you can pray and plan and have the courage to push so that you can fulfill the destiny that God intends for you and your family. But as you're working your plan, okay, how many of us have plans we don't work? Let me ask it another way. How many of us have a gym membership we don't use? <laughs> A gym membership is a tax you pay for not exercising. That's, that's what it is. A lot of us have plans, but we don't work our plan. We don't push through our plan. But ultimately, as you're pushing through your plan, at some point, you're going to need to learn to pivot from your plan. So I think that there are two kinds of leadership, and Proverbs refers to this, process leadership and pivot leadership. And it says this in Proverbs 22, 3. This is process leadership. The prudent sees danger and takes refuge. That's a pivot leader. But the simple or the foolish keeps going and pays the penalty. Have you ever met someone that they're so committed to their plan that they don't deviate from it, even though it doesn't work? I, I read a story recently on the internet, and I know it's true because everything on the internet is. And uh, the story said that there was a young girl driving in her car and she plugged in an address and the directional navigation on her phone took her to the edge of a lake and said, proceed forward. She has two choices, pivot or process. You know what she did? Drove in the lake. Here's what I would tell you. That would be a good time to pivot. What I'm telling you right now is that some of us love our processes. We're creatures of habit. How many of you every day you do the same thing? How many of you every night you do the same thing? You got your routine. You go to work. You got your, your drive in, your drive out. You got your schedule. You look at your week. You look at your year. You look at your holidays. You look at your vacations. And it's all rinse and repeat. You've got your process. Is it a problem to have a process? No. But there are times that you have to pivot. You have to pivot. You have to say, that ain't going to work. We need to alter. He speaks of this in Proverbs 7, 16, 9. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Okay? You're like, okay, I have a process. So I'm trying to be responsible with my time, my money, my energy, our life, our family, our ministry, our business. But as we go, God is going to direct my steps. Okay, go left, go right, go left, go right, go forward, go back where he's going to direct my steps. Pivot leadership is like um, football. Any of you football fans? I know we're in Missouri. That's a rhetorical statement. Um, what happens in football, a play will be called in from the sidelines. The uh, team will huddle on offense. The quarterback will call the play. Everybody positions themselves. And then the quarterback will survey the defense. What if the defense is actually appropriately established to stuff the offense. Be like, that play's not gonna work. What's the quarterback do, gentlemen? Calls an audible. Calls an audible. Pivot leadership is the ability to call audibles at the line. It's saying, this isn't going to work. That is going to fail. That play worked last quarter, but it will not work this quarter. The problem in our government, the problem in a lot of our businesses, the problem in so many of our churches, ministries, and families is everybody's just waiting to go back to process leadership, and there's no indication that it's coming anytime soon. 
that it's pivot, pivot, pivot. How many of you are like, school's open, school's closed, school's open, school's closed, mama needs a drink, hot, hot, hot. It was complicated, right? Probably shouldn't have said that. Um, the Holy Spirit always comes right after I'm done. That's just sort of our relationship. But how many of you this year, you're like, okay, we're going on vacation, we're not going on vacation. Okay, we're gonna go to work. No, we're gonna work remotely. Church is open, church is closed. A lot of pivot. And ultimately, you need to realize that pivot is an opportunity. It's not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. And what God is showing you is that there's an opportunity that wasn't previously there. So I'll give you some examples in our family this year. Uh, came home, kids are like, they canceled school, we're online. Which means we're not going to school anymore. That's what online school means. Okay, how many of you at this point, if you've got a 10 year old boy who looked at a computer for eight hours a day, he tapped out a long time ago, amen? He just did, he's in his underwear playing video games, pretending to listen to the teacher, that's what he's doing. Okay, you're all laughing, because I just, you're like, has he been to our house? No, all of our houses are the same. We're all running the underwear academy, that's what we're all doing, okay? So, I was like, you know what, We're and then they're okay, stay at home, Quart, stay at home, stay at home. I'm like, okay, so what I did is I found a VRBO, a house for rent up in the mountains. So I was like, you know what, We're gonna, everything's closed, we're working remotely, school's remote, I'll come in for work if I need, but let's just go up and let's just spend a few months together as a family working remotely. All work, you kids can pretend like you're going to school, you know, this will be awesome. So we had one of the best years of our whole life, we got this incredible family time together. It was like, okay, we can't go on vacation. Well, you know what? We can do family dinner, dinner together every Sunday night and all the kids that come over and we'd all have dinner together and pray together and sit by the fire. And you know what? We're just gonna call a pivot. We're not gonna go to Hawaii. We're gonna go to the backyard with my wife, Grace. It was like, we can't go out for date night because the world is closed, but we can go for walks and we could schedule time every night to pray together and hold hands and snuggle up and, and we did. 2020 was one of the greatest years, one of the most fruitful years of my whole life. It was one of the greatest gifts to my marriage and family. It was one of the deepest deposits in my soul and ministry. And you can either just yell at the world saying, why can't you get back to where the process works? And you can say, all right, Lord, what's the audible? How do we pivot? And I'm telling you that this could be an incredible year for you. Don't let the prophets of doom false prophesy a, a deadly year for you. Amen. You know, let God prophesy blessing over your year. You know what? I mean, I, you know, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, I read somewhere. Amen. And the problem with um, process leadership, it's like autopilot. I was reading uh, an article and most plane crashes are because of autopilot. What happens when a pilot sets autopilot, they cease to be a pilot. Sometimes that's what happens. And what happens is if a plane is on autopilot and then a crisis happens, number one, the pilot is usually distracted. They're not paying attention, they assume everything is fine because number two, they have a false sense of security. So if you have a false sense of security and you're distracted, then when crisis does hit, you respond too late. Many of our lives have been on autopilot. Many of our marriages have been on autopilot. Many of our relationships with the Lord Jesus Christ have been on autopilot. And all of a sudden everything changes and you're out of process leadership and you're into pivot leadership. Welcome to the cockpit. You've now got some significant decisions to make and lots of people are counting on you to fly the plane with wisdom. Now this being said, 
failure in this season is not an option, it's a requirement. Many of us, most of us, perhaps even all of us, we've never been here before. I didn't know you could close the world. That was new to me. I didn't know that you could cancel Easter for Christianity. Okay, this is unprecedented. I really miss precedented times, I do. And so what happens is some of you are afraid of failure. You're like, well, I'm not sure what to do. I don't wanna take a risk. I don't wanna make a change. I don't wanna seek an opportunity. What I would say is this is the perfect time. And if you fail, blame it on COVID. You have got the best excuse in the history of the world. COVID is like the kid brother that gets blamed for everything. I called my bank the other day. They said, sorry, we can't answer the phone, COVID. I was like, what? I know you're at home in your underwear. You can answer the phone. I, I, when, so recently I took my Jeep out. Any of you have a Jeep? Can any of you have a Jeep? I, I, Jeep is a four letter word. And there are different, um, you get that on the way home. Uh, I, I, there are different kinds, like there's a Jeep regular, there's a Jeep Rubicon. I have a Fisher Price Jeep. That's the edition that I got. I broke it, I took it out. I tried to do a little Baja jumping. I broke the cam, I broke the rockers, I broke the axle, I broke the front end, I broke the shocks, I broke the springs. I broke everything. I broke the steering box. I broke it so bad that I tried to drive it home and the check engine light never came on. <laughs> yeah, so apparently it's fine. I mean, it's totally fine. And it, it broke so bad that I couldn't take a right turn. I could only take a left. So it took me like hours to get home because I had to figure out how to take a left and take a left and take a left and take a left and take a left, take a left, take a left. So I dropped it off at the garage and dropped it off at the dealership. They're like, yeah, you broke everything. I said, yeah, I know. It's now been in the shop for two months and it's still not done. I keep calling and literally, here's what I'm told. Uh, we, sorry, we're not done yet because of COVID. Did my Jeep get COVID? Because you know, for the last year, I mean, March, March, March of last year, we had 15 days to flatten the curve. I feel like we sort of rode this out. And so ever since then, every day, I got a big hand pump of sanitizer at Costco. I go out and I wipe it all around my Jeep to protect my Jeep. I put a mask on the front of my Jeep. I keep my Jeep six feet away from Priuses because they're super spreaders. I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. How did my Jeep get COVID? But apparently it has COVID. <laughs> COVID is the excuse for everything. So here's the good news this year. If it goes great, Jesus. If it goes bad, COVID. That's how it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. I'm out of time, which means nothing. So let me just say a few more things. Some of you, let me, just, let me just get maybe serious for a moment. The big fear of the last year was what? Death. We're gonna die, we're, all, we're gonna die. Let me tell you, this shouldn't be new information. <laughs> right? We've known this. Since Genesis three, this has been known. Let me say this, you can get a vaccine, you can wear a mask. You can wear your hands, wash your hands. You, you can wear two masks and you're gonna, you're gonna die with a mask on, filled with vaccine, holding hand sanitizer. That's how you're gonna go. And you're gonna stand before Jesus and he's gonna say, those things don't really help when you need them the most. Now I want you to live as long as you can, but on the day you die, I want you to be ready for the last day because the last day of your life is the most important day of your life.
And if you're gonna pray, pray about the last day. If you're gonna plan, plan for the last day. If you're gonna push, push for the last day. So this is the day that I want you to pivot and give your life to the Lord Jesus so you're ready for the last day, okay? Um, So let me tell you about Jesus. The good news is we have a God who came down and got in it with us. How many of you, if you were God looking at the earth, you'd be like, I'm not going down there. I got streets lined with gold. Angels bring me stuff to eat and people sing songs about me. I'm gonna stay right here. Jesus was in glory and he came down to get in it with us. He knows what it's like to be poor, what it is to suffer, to have anxiety, to be separated from people you love, to be betrayed, to be attacked. Our God, looked at the mess we made and he came down and he got in it with us. How many of you right now, if you could leave, you'd leave. How many of you, if you were in heaven, you would not come down? Our Jesus did because he loves us. And he got in it with us and he understands exactly what you're going through and he loves you and he cares for you. And he knows that you have a lot of problems, but he knows that your biggest problem is that you don't have a relationship with him. I know you have a lot of problems, friends, we all do. But the most important thing is to deal with our biggest problem first. And that's that our sin has separated us from the God who made us and loves us. And so the Lord Jesus comes, he lives the life we have not lived, the life of that sin. He dies the death we should have died, the death for sin. And he rises to conquer death and give the gift we cannot earn, eternal life. So the worst thing is not to die, but the worst thing is to die without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says to live as Christ, to die is gain. The Bible says to depart and be with the Lord is far better. If you are a Christian, this is as close to hell as you will ever be and heaven awaits you. And my concern for you, dear friend, is if you don't know the Lord Jesus, this is as close to heaven as you will be and hell awaits you. That ultimately, everything that we pray about should be for the last day. Everything that we plan for should be for the last day. Everything that we push for should be the last day. And then there's this amazing pivot that awaits us on the last day where we go from death to life, where we go from the seen to the unseen realm, where we go from living in God's presence to truly being in God's presence. And so let me just tell you this, friend. There is a God who knows the future and he wants you to enter into relationship with him right now. He wants to help you navigate whatever the year has for you. He knows the future and he rules over it. And he has a place prepared for you on the other side of this life.